1625. This is the business of sports. Business of sports. From the Economic Times. Ah, the sports fan. We come in all shapes and sizes, wearing the passion on our sleeves, with perhaps different decibel counts as we cheer, scream, vent, analyze, and cry for the teams and players that we so love and revere. Is there anything quite like sport that can evoke the most contrasting array of emotions? I consider myself a pretty passionate sports fan. I buy the jerseys, I watch and follow all my teams, whether they play at dawn or dusk. I ruin holidays and night outs for my friends in order to find an obscure bar that might be screening the game at 3 in the morning. Without fans, essentially sport can't exist. They are the ones that drive the passion, the ticket sales, subscriptions, merchandise, the viewership numbers, everything that is required to make competitive, professional sports sustainable. But how do teams and leagues even know what a fan wants and how can they best leverage the fans to drive in revenue to keep their team successful on the field? As we will discover during the course of this episode, there seems to be a massive gap in the market. And the big question seems to be, why aren't Indian fans buying in as much as they could be? And how can they be monetized at an optimized level? To find out all about the Indian fan and how they think, I want to first introduce a great friend and former colleague of mine, Shiv Berman, a man with an intimate knowledge of the inner workings of the sports industry. If I can call myself the fan, then he is the resident expert and my guest co-host for this episode. He started his career at an IPL franchise, then worked for a health gamification and engagement platform. He then went on to work for IMG to lead the commercial program for the IPL and now runs his own sports consultancy and agency. Berman Sports, who are our knowledge partners for this episode. Now, when breaking down every aspect of what an Indian sports fan is, it makes sense for us to focus on cricket and specifically the IPL. Because what greater case study is there than the biggest and brightest league in the country? Shiv, I'll start with you. What kind of fan would you describe yourself as? What would I define myself? I think over the years, I've become a casual fan. When I was a kid, I was a more classic, passionate fan. I owned caps and t-shirts and I had such Nintendo Cup posters on my wall. But over the years, I've become a more casual consumer of sports. And, you know, I don't really own more than two jerseys today. And one's from the 2011 Cricket World Cup and one's from the 2015 World Cup. So it's time I bought a new jersey this World Cup. But yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on the show. On this special two-part episode, we have a stellar cast of the sharpest minds in the sports industry. G. Srinivasan, someone who has worked across all avenues of the sports universe. ESPN, Nike, BCCI, IPL, ISL, Reliance Sports. And now is the founder of SportJo, a sports ed and careers company developing the sports ecosystem. Sudhir Shukla, a marketing and brand management guru who scaled the IPL across screens and has been a key figure in reinvigorating the Cadbury and Cars 24 brand names. Rishikesh Shende, who is with Adidas for nine years and gives a perspective from a distribution and merchandise point of view, as well as formerly of Liverpool FC and the Lucknow Super Giants. And Rakesh Patel, founder of the Bharat Army, one of the most widely renowned fans groups in world sport. Sudhir Shukla, 
how would you describe yourself as a sports fan i think i would describe myself as a kind of sports fan who's following more than actively engaging with sports now i grew up in bombay for the greater part of my life so i am very proud to share that between 1991 and 2017 16 i i wouldn't have missed a cricket match in bombay either ipl or india cricket or or whatever the heck it was but i think last couple of years for many reasons it's more followership on twitter and blogs and watching highlights but a deep fan and and very passionate about all sport specifically so ji shrinivasan gives us a keen insight into the different types of fans i think fans broadly can be classified into three categories the first is a follower who is a casual fan right who would come and be at least uh, aware of what's happening in the in the world of sport that's followed by a fan uh, who is a little more deeper into um, deeper into the sport would watch uh, a few games may uh, be a little more serious in terms of following his or her team uh, consumes a lot more content on social media about their team follows it a little more and the last part is avid obviously the number goes on shrinking from follower to fan to avid right so growing up uh, i think i was always an avid fan right but uh, as a consumer of the sport uh, and i continue while i continue to be avid in uh, the level of avidness in terms of the time of consumption has reduced quite a lot because of work pressure considering i'm in the sports business but i've become an avid business of sport fan so uh, while i might not know who man united is playing three games from now i definitely know their numbers back to front right uh, i may not know who uh, who's playing home in the south african league but i know what the pnl of each team is so from a consumption perspective i would call myself an avid but uh, you know so i mean i, I guess i'm avidder uh, as far as the business of sport is concerned uh, also the definition of these constituencies that i've mentioned has changed a little bit because a follower earlier would have watched one game uh, consumed x minutes on i mean and, and there was no social media earlier uh, the the fan consumes a lot more with multiple channels available right now you have like for example if you want to consume something on football you have about 100 uh, handles on social media itself for you to consume if you want to check score you can't get through the through to the app just go to google and type score and you'll have it immediately so i guess the ease of access to a lot of information has also changed and therefore uh, evolved these fans a lot more uh, having said that it's become all the more difficult for franchise or rights holders to figure out who these people are because their habits keep changing and evolving you could while you could easily find someone first um, someone like this first now it becomes increasingly difficult because the footprint or or, or, or you know while while the footprint has become large the fans have become a lot more fragmented so it's much much more difficult to find these people when i started with marketing we would make a full page ad that ad would be adapted to a billboard to a radio spot to uh, a print ad and the website would just i mean the digital team is to fight with you to say just put the website address also it's exactly the other way around now it it completely depends on how well you understand your fan if you don't understand your fan uh, you cannot do marketing to to each your objectives So now we know the layout of the land a little bit in terms of who the different fans are. The question is, what is the current state of play in the fan monetization space, comparing what is happening globally with what is happening in India? 
for which Shiv sets up the context for us. I'm going to start with the what we call the licensing, merchandising and retail space. Because look, fan monetization, there are multiple avenues and the most uh, monetized avenues are probably subscriptions, whether that's television or OTT in today's day and age. And of course, ticketing, which Indian cricket and IPL seems to do, be doing a pretty good job of. Uh, what I'm really going to... We are, we're going to focus on the other avenues, but one of the major avenues which we are lagging behind is, is licensing, merchandising, and retail. Now, let me give you some numbers, right? LMNR sales now equate to about 15 to 20% of all major U.S. sports leagues. Teams like Manchester United have 16% of total revenues in 2019 attributed to replica shirt sales. Uh, for one time, on, you know, tournaments like the UFA, uh, Olympics, FIFA World Cup, LMNR sales contribute to about 3 to 5% of total commercial revenues. In all cases, merchandise and apparel contribute to about 45 to 50% of the revenue. Now, let's put that in the Indian context, right? And a major IPL team in 2022 drove about a million dollars in revenue from LMNR and merchandise sales, right? If you look at the revenue that franchises are pulling today, that's about 1.5% of total franchise revenue. Now that says something. India, as we know, is a very diverse country. So let's put things in the Indian context. Marquee brands like Puma, Adidas, Skechers, Reebok, you know, their revenues in India range from about 500 crores to about 2,000 crores. So again, not very big compared to the West. Mid-segment athleisure brands, you know, priced at about $9.99 to that $15.99 price point. Brands like Enamor, which is a women's lingerie brand, has seen its revenue in the athleisure sportswear segment move from 8% pre-pandemic to about 25% today. That's the same thing for Jockey. Their revenue contribution from athleisure and sportswear is now 25% of total revenue. A brand like HRX, which is Rithik Roshan's brand, drives about 500 crore in revenue. So really, the question which we are going to kind of try and address through this podcast, what's leaving fan merchandising and fan monetization in general? Merchandising is not the only avenue. Let's be clear for all our listeners. What's leaving IPL and cricket behind? Rishikesh Shinde, formerly of Adidas, weighs in on these eye-opening numbers. I think the thing is, uh, there's, there's two, three uh, reasons for that, right? So, we're, I mean, we're comparing all these numbers uh, of the IPL with uh, some of the biggest uh, leagues uh, in, in Europe and uh, North America, uh, and you got to understand that you know these leagues and franchises, clubs, teams, whatever you want to call them, have been in existence for 50, 80, 100 years, right? So they've had that much time to really build their fan base, build that fan loyalty, and then they've started monetizing it in the last sort of 20, 25, 30 years since. Uh, the advent of satellite television and all of that, right? Uh, so I think one is one is that IPL is, is in that scheme of things. I think we're just getting started. Uh, the other factor that you've got to consider is that in India, uh, cricket is the number one sport far and wide, right? Uh, cricket historically has never had a jersey culture, right? So even if you look at Australia or England or uh, some of the other uh, South Africa, for example. Whilst in football, they're selling a lot of merchandise and, and licensing uh, kit, you're not getting the same traction for the Cricket Australia uh, kits or uh, the ECB kits either. 
I mean, we had deals with both these uh, federations. Uh, and, and if you've seen the, the evolution of the kid deals, A, they've just gone south and it's just had a lot of churn. Historically, if you see in football, Adidas has had long-term deals with Real Madrid, Manchester United, uh, Bayern Munich and these guys. And the reason for that is once you know you've got a predictable business, regardless of which players come and go, regardless of uh, whether they're winning trophies or not, there is uh, a million, million and a half jerseys that you're going to sell regardless of anything, right? And then the brands want to continue that association because fundamentally, I think all these brands are smart enough to realize that the fan is paying for the crest on the left, not for the badge on the right, which is the manufacturer's logo. So unless that loyalty is there and it, and it really permeates across which player comes and goes and what's in season, what's not, how many trophies are in the museum, until that happens, it's very difficult for LNM to really pick off. Rakesh, this is where I want to bring you in. You're the founder of the Bharatami, the biggest fan club this country has. I just want you to kind of, you know, share your views on what Rishi just said about the fan culture and what's happening in India. Can you give us the view of the Indian, who the Indian fan is and what the culture with cricket is? Rakesh Patel, founder of the Bharatami. Yeah, I think, first of all, if you go back to when the IPL first started, we did have some of those bigger apparel brands making the kits for those IPL teams, right? So Mumbai Indians were with Adidas. I think Rajasthan Royals were with Puma. There were a couple other brands as well. I think Kolkata Knight Riders were with Reebok, if I remember correctly. Um, but there were, right? But I guess one of the challenges you have with the, the socio-economic, um, I guess, distribution is that the minute one of those brands launches, you know, a jersey, an Adidas jersey for Mumbai Indians, even before that jersey release, you're going to get a secondary market that develops, right? And if you look at actually who's purchasing these jerseys, the number of people that are purchasing the authentic, real Adidas jersey versus the one that you can get down the market is there's a complete different, you know, volume base there, right? And that probably disincentivizes those brands to a certain degree to say, okay, do you know what? I, I want to, you know, be the brand that produces, you know, the Mumbai Indians jersey, for example, because if within 24 hours a secondary market develops, then obviously the opportunity within that market is different, right? Then it is in a much more mature market, to Rishi's point, where Adidas is synopsis with Manchester United, right? And everybody wants the authentic Adidas jersey as opposed to a secondary market version. So I think definitely the social aspect is a very key reason why, you know, I think from a fan perspective, you know, where they spend their money and how they spend their money. So an, an Indian cricket fan would much rather spend their money on a ticket to get into the stadium rather than you know, the cost of an Adidas jersey, for example, right? And so how they spend their money is, is something to think about. And they'll just buy a jersey off the market. We face the same issue, right? You know, you know, in our own power that we produce, we've had to make sure it's at an affordable level where if we want to sell Baradami merchandise, you know, it's at a level where actually somebody wants to buy a jersey off the street, a secondary jersey, that they'll think, okay, you know what, it's worth having this better quality, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's the biggest challenge, right, is that authentic jersey by some of these bigger brands is only marketable to a certain category of people, right? And only a certain category of people can afford that. But I think that will change over time as that fan culture develops and that connection, right, to that brand of that team and then what comes with that changes as well. And I think that's where there's a bit of a gap. I'll just add to what Rakesh said, because he made a very excellent point, and I'll give you guys some stats on this, right? During my time uh, with Adidas, right? So a typical sort of European club jersey was at about 5,000 Indian rupees, right? 
Man United, Real, whatever. Uh, and then the IPL jersey, because we had, like you rightly mentioned, uh, in the initial years, so we had Adidas had three uh, teams, Reebok had three, and uh, Puma had two. Nike just entered for one year and then they pulled out. I think that Hyderabad, if I'm not mistaken, Deccan Chargers back then, and then they pulled out. So eight out of the, I think, nine or ten teams when they expanded were with these so-called MNC sports brands, right, international sports brands. But when you think of it from a fan perspective, the Indian fan, I mean, is super value conscious, right? That 5,000 rupee Man United jersey, we were doing far bigger numbers compared to the IPL jerseys. Because you look at it, a football season is 10 months long, right? That 5,000 rupees, if you divide that by 10 months, that's 500 rupees a month, roughly, amortized. Whereas the IPL is in season for just two months, right? And at 2,400 rupees, which was the price, which was half of the European jersey, it effectively works out to 1,200 rupees a month for the fan. So when the fan thinks, what am I going to do with this jersey for the remaining 10 months of the season when IPL is not there, it effectively works out to 1,200 bucks uh, a month. And that's where actually, despite it being priced 50%, it was actually uh, super expensive. So those are just one of the challenges that we have. We bring in Sudhir to give an expert opinion on the current situation of how fan segmentation works. You have to live under a rock in India to not have heard about cricket. As a brand, cricket is not, it has no awareness problem in a classical marketing jargon, right? Everyone knows about cricket. Most people play it at some point in their lives, right? So I think if, if I were to look at the cricket fan specifically, there is a great intertwining of the cricket fan and, and their depth and the formats they follow, right? Uh, so we've all got, you know, a certain older demographic, typically uh, in the age of 40 plus, who are, uh, you know, red ball uh, or I, I should say test match cricket fans, uh, deeply engaged with the sport, understand the finer nuances, have a view on the sport, on what kind of a field should be set for when a bowler is bowling to a batsman. These are the people that we've seen loves cricket enough to watch any cricket. And when I say any cricket, it is any cricket. They are the people who wake up at 4 a.m. to watch the Boxing Day Test match, even if India is not playing in it, right? So, deeply engaged with the sport. They watch it, follow it, have a view on it, engage with it, buy merchandise, you know, you name it. Passionate fans. Slightly older demographic though, like I said, right? And the other big group are really the T20 followers. And this is where we've seen a massive amount of new fans come into the sport who are both younger and more diverse in terms of, I would say, more women watching and following the sport now. So their lens on cricket is more entertainment than sport. right? So, so they watch it for the vibrancy, they follow it for the color, uh, for the personalities, for the entertainment package that T20 cricket has come to be synonymous with. And those are the two groups, really, that I can very broadly kind of, you know, specify the Indian consumers into. Now, the moment you look at it from a viewership or a broadcast angle, there is a color and context to cricket. So, for example, if you were to watch a cricket match in English, it will feel a little bit more analytical versus uh, in Tamil Nadu, right? Because the Tamil spectator is a movie spectator. Right, and everything is hence presented with lots more chutzpa and entertainment spin. So there are these variations, but the essential big buckets would be 
you know, the core fan who watches everything, including test cricket, and really the T20 viewer at this point of time. Srini weighs in from the point of view of the teams and leagues trying to understand the Indian fan, followed by Rakesh's perspective from the fan. None of them have figured out who the fan is, right? If you want to sell tickets, you put a front page ad out in a, in a newspaper. Those days have gone when you have devices connected to your hand, right? And I, I mean, I always give this example that every individual is like a QR code, right? But there would be minor differences between a few so that you can group a few together. Now, if you say how many uh, Delhi capitalist fans are from Delhi, right? You should know the answer. But unfortunately, no. I mean, I, I'm just taking Delhi as an example, but it's true for every IPL franchise, right? Which part of Delhi do they come from? If you know which part of Delhi they come from, you don't have to advertise in the newspaper. You can go to them directly. I'll give you an example. I was, um, see, I, I, I'd gone to Singapore for, for a business meeting and I met the head of Chelsea there. So I asked him, uh, how many people work in your company here? And he, he said, nine. I said, I thought you would be the only one selling sponsorships here. He says, no. And he said, five of them are in CRM. Now, the reason why they're successful, uh, the teams in the West are successful, because they know their fans. And they collect so much data about their fans that that's what they sell to prospective sponsors uh, and say that here is the database. It's not about television ratings. It's not about reach. It's not about uh, minutes spent, time spent per view viewer. The, way is, the reason why they have a fan and successful fan monetization model is because they know whom they're talking to. Right? What does the person think, feel? What does the person do? How does the person behave? What does that person consume? For how many minutes? What? All these are answers which they'll have at probably a click of the mouse. India is lagging far behind in first-party data, and therefore we struggle with fine monetization. You think about when the IPL first started, right? How did those IPL fans choose which team they were going to support? A lot of IPL fans chose who their favorite player was and supported that team, yeah. right? So, for example, how many CSK fans are in Mumbai, for example, right? Um, and how many RCB fans are in Mumbai, as an example? And if you look at the jerseys that these guys, these fans wear, even though they're secondary market jerseys, they're not just wearing an RCB or a CSK fan. If you look at the back of the jersey, it will say Virat Kohli, it will say MS Dhoni, et cetera, et cetera. So where we are with with in India with the IPO is it's a it's still a very new league and as a result of that the loyalty started off being with a player right now what you're seeing is a lot more effort from the IPO teams to engage with the fan in a slightly different way so they're trying to make the fan more loyal to the franchise as opposed to the fan they started to support uh, the, sorry the player they started to support right and you're seeing a lot more effort and I guess to get to that point where we have in the Premier League in the UK, where if you were launched a big brand like Adidas, that every fan would buy it because it's Adidas and it's Mumbai Indians. That's a journey that, that the league needs to go for and the franchises need to go on. And a lot of them are right to, to understand how that journey kind of develops and how do you get that kind of emotional connection to that franchise as opposed to it just being a transaction. And that emotional connection takes time. And it takes effort, it takes commitment. And I think that's where the big gap is right now. So with all of this in mind, how does a league or team sell to all these different fans? Sudhir Shukla gives us the broadcaster's perspective. So there are two parts to this discussion in my mind, right? One is 
what we did on the broadcast side to really make it go large, right? And the second part of the question, which I'm hearing again and again, and I, it's something that that has amazed me over the years as well, is this the bit about merchandising, and why aren't those bigger revenue streams uh, for many parts of the cricket ecosystem? The first one, I think, Shiv and Uday is, is a very simple answer. Cricket is large enough for us to segment viewers on multiple behaviors, right? For example, the most obvious one was when the organization I used to work for took on cricket broadcast for IPL, uh, was that it was not the Indian Premier League. It was only offered in English and Hindi. So language, we know, is a huge unlock in content, right? Um, and of course, one of, I would say the largest or the biggest lever that Star used was to take it into all regional languages. And that's actually a fairly massive effort for an organization because it's like running seven or eight parallel IPLs. Uh, because, you know, your commentary panels are different. Your advertisers at times are different. The way you package content is different. Uh, I, in fact, I mean, I didn't realize it for a great moment, for a great period of time till I started working on, on the property that if you watch Mumbai versus Chennai on Hindi, Mumbai gets 70% airtime and Chennai gets 30. But if you watch it in Tamil, it's 90% to Chennai. So when Rohit Sharma comes to bat, you know, the view is what is MS Dhoni thinking to get him out? not showing him how to get out of bat, right? So it's a completely different product. And that's why it was so powerful in the way it landed, right? So localization was one big lever. And then language was a, I would say, segmentation variable equivalent. Also, I think just the depth and the fanaticism with which people follow cricket, right? So I think one of the best examples which a colleague uh, kind of came up with at Star Sports was to have the select dugout. Because there are fans who don't want to be told what is happening on the screen. You know, the biggest critique of cricket presentation is uh, sometimes it is presented like the radio days, right? Here, the ball has been hit to the long arm. I mean, you can see it on screen. You don't have to be told that. So there was a fan who said, give me deeper analysis. I don't want to know what is happening. Tell me what should be happening. Tell me what would Adam Gilchrist or Brian Lara want to set the field as, right? If they were playing the sport. And that was really why how the dugout came into being. So it had 30-40% lesser ads and more predictive analysis. And, and which is why that deeper fans engaged with it so much better. Shiv has a great quote from Abhishek Ganguly, the MD of Puma, because it's an important point to ponder. Before we can start understanding what the potential solutions are, we need to first ask ourselves the burning question. Is there enough of a fan culture around sports in India yet? First up on that, we have Shiv posing the question to Srini. I find very interesting also in India, I think Abhishek Ganguly, who's the managing director of Puma, uh, who you know, uh, said something very interesting with RCB signed with uh, Puma, I think after a seven, eight year gap. And he said, you know, India is of course under indexed to the commercial side of sports apparel with sports teams, but the sports culture is still work in progress. I want to understand from you, you know, someone who's worked on all sides of the business and we see, we've been in stadiums together sometimes and we've seen the passion in the stands and we see those blue jerseys counterfeit sometimes. I want to understand what is the difference from those passion we see in the stands, the 400 million odd viewers we see on TV and the work in progress in sports culture that Abhishek refers to that is not leading to monetization. So while you refer to the sports culture, let's take IPL as an example. 
IPL is a league which goes on for 45 days. Now it's about 60 odd days, right? And you cannot expect to build a sports culture for a tournament that lasts only two months. Uh, the reason why it's successful in the West is because you, you have a full season. Season lasts up to six months, eight months, 10 months sometimes, and you have a couple of seasons um, of break. It's the other way around in India. So which means that increasing engagement with the fans is predominantly done off-season. And hence, if you have nothing to sort of, uh, I mean, exactly the point that you were referring to what Sudhir said, that, um, you know, X number of people watch it for one minute, X number of people watch it for so long. Imagine if that is done over a prolonged period of time, right? If it's longer, then obviously the numbers will reduce, the viewing time would reduce. But it's consistent engagement, which creates a habit, a habit of following, a habit of engaging, which leads to a habit of forming an intent to purchase. All these follow one after the other. Now, if it lasts only for two months, it uh, you, you have to restart the job after eight months where you start speaking to those fans again. Because in the off-season, the number of uh, minutes of engagement that I would say uh, reduces considerably. And if the engagement reduces, you cannot expect the fan to behave the same way. And therefore, that is probably what I understand uh, by culture that it becomes a part of your life. It became it becomes ingrained. Yes, are some Mumbai Indians fans far more passionate than Dallas Cowboys? I'm 100% sure they would be, right? But it's just that that intensity peaks and drops. If it is there for a sustained period of time, like I said, that viewership will lead to engagement, which will eventually lead to purchase and therefore monetization. Sudhir weighs in from the broadcaster's point of view. There are two or three things that are worth considering as we look at this, right? So, for example, earlier in the show, you spoke about how merchandising tends to be like 40-50% of the revenue stream, right? For many big sports brands globally. And I think in sports, from a consumer behavior standpoint, we see a phenomena that we call burging, right? So, it's basking in reflected glory. And I remember asking a viewer on why would you watch highlights of a cricket match when you know the outcome is there? You know, the, I mean, you know, India has won or lost. And there are, there are meaningful number of people who, who do this, right? So I said, why would you watch it? He said, look, you know, my life has got so much misery. I go to office, get whacked by my off, uh, boss and, you know, my wife is unhappy. My son is unhappy with me. But when I come back and I see Virat Kohli play the cover drive, for 10 seconds, I feel happy. <laughs> so, so this is basking in reflected glory, right? You know, there, there are so many issues with people in general, but sports is the big reliever. And I think... This is what good entertainment does, but sports is that entertainment. The cover drives, the you know hooks and the pulls and the wickets for many people, it's meaningful, right? So first of all, there is a sense of identity, which is integral to sport. Identity comes only with two things. It comes with performance. So I identify with people who win and teams who win, or it comes with time. You know, I don't care about the Andheri Football United Club because I live in Andheri. Right now, <laughs> that is what has happened with you know Manchester United of the world. That's how they started, and there's an element of time, right? So, for example, the only team in India that's followed and that has the potential and the power as a brand to sell merchandise is the Indian cricket team, because they are world champions. They have been, and because they are the one team that India rallies behind. If you look at a compare and contrast with the IPL team, I think the IPL teams. Um, there are two groups there and I think most of the franchises are guilty of looking at IPL as a cash cow and not investing in fan and building the fans. 
right so so the question is why do, why does so, so the strongest fan groups are in mumbai and chennai because they are the two champion teams right they win a lot and 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 interestingly enough uh, when when i would follow ratings so if you look at calcutta you would like to think that kkr ratings are highest right actually chennai ratings beat kkr ratings in many matches because chennai wins or mumbai indians now right they, they win so mumbai indians and chennai would be the number one or two team in every state in india now that's why they've got a stronger fan base and i think they're in the right position to monetize it because they've got identity beyond mumbai chennai rcb i think most teams are guilty of you know not really building heroes not really building an identity for themselves uh, of late i mean i haven't seen anything meaningful in the last 5 years to say that you know they're investing and i think you alluded to it earlier when i used to work on the category we used to define the single largest threat to cricket as social media right because what are people doing with their time and i think if they're not watching ipl or icc or some form of cricket they're all on snapchat and instagram so you know the the for a consumer it has to be entertaining enough and you need to give them a reason to wear your merchandise right what is the reason so first you need to create the desire then make it affordable for the indian cricket team there is huge desire but the affordability quotient is low if you're going to price it at 499 i doubt indians will pay for it and finally we hear straight from the voice of the fan rakesh who feels there is a lot left to be desired in terms of what teams can do to foster fan culture if you talk about indian cricket indian cricket doesn't have a challenge filling out stadiums right whereas if you think about outside of india and some of the other cricketing boards what they do for fans is so much far greater than what we do for indian cricket fans in india because they face those challenges right so we for example as an indian cricket supporters group we have better relationships with the ecb cricket australia new zealand cricket we have better relationships with the boards outside of india than our own board because what they do for us to make sure we enhance our enhance our fan experience is so much far greater if you think about the the fan experience in india when there's a match more often than not tickets are released very last minute if it's a test match which is 5 days how do you plan annual leave if you're releasing tickets such very last minute how do you know if you're going to get the tickets or not so that's an issue in the first thing right secondly when you get into the stadium what is the fan experience like inside the stadium is that environment an environment that you would want to bring women and children in if you look at the the sanitary accessibility right what does that look like if you look like look, look at food for example the experience itself for the fan is secondary you know in india and you know we we have a world cup coming up in a few months time so normally when there's a world cup a big 50 over world cup we are working with the lods in that country 12 months before that world cup starts minimum right we are 8 months away we still don't have a schedule so the whole fan experience in india is very different to outside of india and i think that's because we don't pay so much attention to the fan we say we do but we don't and i remember i pitched to the bcci they asked me a few years back to give my feedback on the fan experience and i said look the fan experience for me is not what happens in the stadium anyone can get some cheerleaders on a stage and have some fireworks that's not fan experience fan experience is the moment you release there's a series happening 
to making sure you allow that fan to plan for that series and you make sure that that journey is the best it can possibly be. We just cancelled a test match in Dharamsala, right? A few days before. I have Bharat Army members from Dubai who had booked hotels, flights. What are they going to do now to go to Dharamsala, right? Could that decision be made? So when we talk about fan experience, we are the, the lowest common denominator within India. Finally, we end the episode with this thought from Shiv as he poses the question to Rishikesh that will set us up for part two of the episode. Rishi, I want to kind of bring your point of view from, on the economics of the business, uh, you know, of the sports merchandise business. And I was reading a Kunal Shah tweet. It's an old tweet. It's a 2021 tweet. But Kunal basically says that he was speaking to some of the heads of e-commerce companies in India. And basically, that 5% of their client base, 5 million, the top 5 million economically, have about 60% of the spends on e-commerce platforms in India. It's a 2021 stat, right? So what is the total addressable market of uh, Adidas, Puma, Nike, you know, some of the MNCs, as you said, does that work in the economics of cricket in India? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a valid point. I think it definitely works because... Uh, you know your top five percent uh, uh, consumer base definitely includes uh, is is a base which uh, you know because cricket's much wider, it's much bigger. So obviously that fan base is included. The challenge is how are you addressing that that fan base, right? Because I mean the perception with European football or uh, the NFL or uh, NBA, uh, it's it's sexy, it's aspirational, it's all of that, right? With cricket in India, uh, it seemed very much as a blue-collar sport in that sense, uh, and and you know nothing wrong with that. It's just that when you're then talking to that audience, the moment you've got and in India you've got this uh, sort of divide, right, socio-economic divide uh, that exists. Uh, so, so the moment you have a certain set of consumers or audiences wearing a certain merchandise, a different audience potentially gets you know wants to differentiate themselves from that right and that's a, that's happening at a very subtle yet obvious level i mean we, we may not want to admit it but that is a fact so the moment you, you see that the addressable audience for cricket definitely then uh, shrinks right because if someone's wearing that i definitely don't want to be seen in that right so that definitely happens having said that i think that is where the franchises and the brands can do a lot more in terms of re- really creating a differentiated product offering you know, whether that's a sub-brand which launches the more massy product, whereas you've got a certain premium brand, you know, kind of what Toyota and Lexus have, right? I mean, in that sense. So something similar in, in the licensing merchandise world is, is, is what's required. And I think Indians are value conscious, right? Even at your top end, you'll find Indians are value conscious consumers. They're not just going to go out and spend on something just because of the badge or whatever. It's still got to look good. It's got to have the right product quality. It's got to suit the weather, all of those things. And, and only then will they want uh, to buy it. So I think you've got to be really clever about how you market it. And that is why I think the relevance of the season definitely comes into play. Uh, and that's where I think the franchises and the brands need to do a lot more. That's a wrap for part one, where we have tried to understand what it means to be a fan in India and what the gaps are in terms of strengthening the relationship between leagues and teams and the fans. In part two, we will hear more from our panel as they give their expert opinions on the solutions that lie ahead. Stay tuned for part two next week. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and please do like, share and follow. 
The Business of Sports is now streaming on Amazon Music and GeoSavan, apart from Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, the Economic Times website and of course ET's very own audio platform, ET Play. A big shout out to the team at Offspin Media Friends for their great work on the sound design and production of the show. And thanks to our producers Vinay Joshi and the team at the Economic Times. Thanks for listening and we will be back with a new episode at the same time every week. All clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits mentioned in the description.